You are listening to LearnOutLoud.com's production of Spiritual Classics. Collecting key excerpts from a wide range of religious traditions throughout human history, this podcast is dedicated to showcasing the core teachings of the world's greatest spiritual thinkers. For a complete listing of all the Learn Out Loud podcasts with links to subscribe, please visit us at www.LearnOutLoud.com podcast. This Spiritual Classics podcast is provided by Simon & Schuster Audio from their audiobook, The Art of Happiness, A Handbook for Living, by His Holiness the Dalai Lama and Howard C. Cutler. In this audiobook, psychiatrist Howard Cutler talks with the Dalai Lama about some of life's most pressing questions. In this audio excerpt, the Dalai Lama discusses the importance of peace of mind and the setbacks of desire in relation to achieving happiness. To find more audiobooks by His Holiness the Dalai Lama and other Simon & Schuster audio offerings, please visit www.simonsays.com. For free videos on Simon & Schuster book releases, please visit www.bookvideos.tv. To purchase The Art of Happiness and other audiobooks by the Dalai Lama, please visit www.learnoutloud.com slash D-A-L-A-I-L-A-M-A. Thank you. Chapter 2. The Sources of Happiness Although it is possible to achieve happiness... Happiness is not a simple thing. There are many levels. In Buddhism, for instance, there is a reference to the four factors of fulfillment, wealth, worldly satisfaction, spirituality, and enlightenment. Together, they embrace the totality of an individual's quest for happiness. Studies have revealed what is most often borne out by our personal experience. Happiness is determined more by one's state of mind than external events. Success may result in a temporary feeling of elation, or tragedy may result in a period of depression, but sooner or later our overall level of happiness migrates back to a certain baseline. So, if we tend to return to our characteristic baseline level of happiness, no matter what our external conditions are, what determines this baseline? And more importantly, can it be modified? said at a higher level. Let us leave aside for a moment ultimate religious or spiritual aspirations like perfection and enlightenment and deal with joy and happiness as we understand them in an everyday or worldly sense. Within this context, there are certain key elements which we conventionally acknowledge as contributing to joy and happiness. For example, good health, the wealth that we accumulate, friendship, or companions. We all recognize that in order to enjoy a fulfilled life, we need a circle of friends with whom we can relate emotionally and trust. Now, all these factors are, in fact, sources of happiness. But in order for an individual to be able to fully utilize them, your state of mind is key. It's crucial. If we utilize our favorable circumstances, such as our good health or wealth, in positive ways, in helping others, they can be contributory factors in achieving a happier life. And of course, we enjoy these things. But without the right mental attitude, without attention to the mental factor, these things have very little impact on our long-term feelings of happiness. For example... If you harbor hateful thoughts or intense anger, 
somewhere deep down, then it ruins your health. Also, if one is mentally unhappy or frustrated, then physical comfort is not of much help. On the other hand, if you can maintain a calm, peaceful state of mind, then you can be a very happy person, even if you have poor health, or even if you have wonderful possessions, when you are in an intense moment of anger or hatred, you feel like breaking them. At that moment, your possessions mean nothing. Today, there are societies that are very developed materially, yet among them there are many people who are not very happy. Just underneath the beautiful surface of affluence, there is a kind of mental unrest leading to frustration, unnecessary quarrels, reliance on drugs or alcohol, and in the worst case, suicide. So there is no guarantee that wealth alone can give you the joy or fulfillment you are seeking. The same can be said of your friends when you are in an intense state of anger or hatred. Even a very close friend appears to you as cold or distant. All of this indicates the tremendous influence that the mental state, the mind factor, has on one's experience of daily life. Naturally, then, we have to take that factor very seriously. While social, material, and possibly even genetic factors may play a role in happiness, there is general agreement among modern behavioral scientists that whether we are feeling happy or unhappy at any given moment is largely determined by our outlook. Surveys and studies have shown that once our basic survival needs are met, our level of life satisfaction often has little to do with our absolute conditions, but rather with how we perceive our situation, how satisfied we are with what we have. And, as the Dalai Lama notes, our outlook can be modified by deliberately developing an inner compassion and serenity that is unaffected by changes in material circumstances. So leaving aside the perspective of spiritual practice, in terms of our enjoying a happy day-to-day -day existence, the greater the calmness of your mind, the greater your peace of mind, the greater your ability to enjoy a happy and joyful life. I should mention that when we speak of a calm state of mind or peace of mind, we shouldn't confuse that with a totally insensitive, apathetic state of mind. Having a calm or peaceful state of mind doesn't mean being totally spaced out or completely empty. Genuine peace of mind is rooted in affection and compassion. There is a very high level of sensitivity and feeling there. As long as there is a lack of the inner discipline which brings calmness of mind, no matter what external facilities you have, they will never give you the feeling of joy and happiness that you are seeking. On the other hand, if you possess this inner quality, a calmness of mind, a degree of stability within, then even if you lack various external facilities that you would normally consider necessary for happiness, it is still possible to live a happy and joyful life. Though the Dalai Lama's words resonated with me, Western culture is to a considerable extent based on material acquisition. 
and our feelings of contentment are strongly influenced by a tendency to compare ourselves unfavorably with others and to continually long for more than we have. I think there are two kinds of desire. Certain desires are positive. A desire for happiness? It's absolutely right. The desire for peace? The desire for a more harmonious world? Certain desires are very useful. But at some point, desires can become unreasonable. That usually leads to trouble. Now, for example, sometimes I visit supermarkets. I really love to see supermarkets because I can see so many beautiful things. So when I look at all these different articles, I develop a feeling of desire, and my initial impulse might be, oh, I want this, I want that. Then the second thought that arises, I ask myself, oh, do I really need this? The answer is usually no. If you follow after that initial impulse, then very soon your pockets will empty. However, the other level of desire based on one's essential needs for food, clothing, and shelter is something more reasonable. Now, a feeling of self-satisfaction alone cannot determine if a desire or action is positive or negative. A murderer may have a feeling of satisfaction at the time he is committing the murder, but that doesn't justify the act. All the non-virtuous actions, lying, stealing, sexual misconduct, and so on, are committed by people who may be feeling a sense of satisfaction at the time. The demarcation between positive and negative is not whether it gives you an immediate feeling of satisfaction, but whether it ultimately results in positive or negative consequences. For example, in the case of wanting more expensive possessions, if that is based on a mental attitude that just wants more and more, then eventually you'll reach a limit of what you can get. You'll come up against reality. And when you reach that limit, then you'll lose all hope, sink down into depression, and so on. That's one danger inherent in that type of desire. So I think that this kind of excessive desire leads to greed, an exaggerated form of desire based on over-expectation. And when you reflect on the excesses of greed, you'll find that it leads an individual to a feeling of frustration, disappointment, a lot of confusion, and a lot of problems. When it comes to dealing with greed, one thing which is quite characteristic is that although it arrives by the desire to obtain something, it is not satisfied by obtaining. Therefore, it becomes limitless, and that leads to trouble. The true antidote of greed is contentment. If you have a strong sense of contentment, it doesn't matter whether you obtain the object or not. Either way, you are still content.